Hello and welcome to the Triple J Podcast. I'm Jabari Davis and I'm joined once again by my guys Jameson Wells and Jordan Buscarini. As the three of us, you know, look, we've done this for years in the past, but it's definitely good to be, you know, be back talking to these guys about the league that I basically think we, we all can admit that we love. Uh, it's currently All-Star you know, 2019 weekend, uh, you know, where we've seen the U.S. team defeat the world team in the Rising Stars game. Uh, we've seen Jason Tatum, you know, he won the skills competition. Uh, Joe Harris, and if you don't know who that is, he plays for the Brooklyn Nets. <laughs> uh, he won the three-point competition. That's not shade. That's just a reality. A lot of folks are probably like, hey, who is that guy with the big beard? Uh, and then we had Hamadou Diallo uh, winning the dunk contest. All right, guys, look, I'm trying not to be the old guy in the room that complains about everything. Uh, but And I do recognize that All-Star Weekend is generally you know aimed at the kids, but I'm just not feeling it anymore. I, I still found myself watching, but what did you guys think about you know what we've seen so far? It was trash. Like honestly, it was a waste of time. Uh, I could have done something else with my Saturday evening. Uh, I just felt that there wasn't a whole lot there. To be honest with you, I just thought that uh, best of the dunk contest. The dunk contest is supposed to be the the creme de la creme, and it was yeah. nothing like that. Now here's the thing: we're all spoiled from the Levine and Aaron Gordon contest a few years back that set a bar that will never be matched again uh it's just unfortunate but you know making dunks on your first time uh you know making really good dunks you know not a whole lot of props just doing what yeah. you do that's a lost art now there was too many props too many missed attempts uh i mean we had a guy flying over us a, a plane like it was way it was way too much <laughs> going, it was way too much going on without actual dunks uh, but here's the thing the skills competition and three-point contests are the best two things they have going uh, on Saturday night. But they need to add anything more creative. The only issue is this. A lot of the guy, a lot of the events they can add to get creative, I don't know if guys would do. But still, they need to figure out something else. I can take it one step further when talking about why the dunk contest is no longer entertaining. We're not only spoiled from what we saw from Zach Levine and Aaron Gordon, we're spoiled from what we saw in the 90s, right? We're spoiled from what we saw from, uh, you know, J.R. Riders. We're spoiled from what we saw from, from Jason Richardson. We're spoiled from what we've seen in the past. And the fact of the matter is, there's only so much you can do as far as creativity without running the risk of being injured at an all-star event in the middle of the season. So to me, the slam dunk contest, it's kind of played its role for a little while now. Um, As far as the all-star weekend goes, look, I'm a sucker for nostalgia. I really am. So I enjoyed watching Dirk Nowitzki in the three-point contest. Like, that's something to me, like, having Dirk in the three-point contest is something that I enjoy. All right? Seeing the fact that, like, Dirk and Dwayne Wade can participate in the all-star game, I'm okay with that because I'm a sucker for nostalgia. With that being said, what has kind of ruined me on All-Star Weekend is the drafting of All-Stars. I used to love the East versus West. It, was, it, it, got, it got intense towards the end. There's nothing on the line as far as pride anymore, right? We, had the, the, we always had the conversation East and West. Now it's Team LeBron and Team Giannis. Like, to me, that kind of takes away from the All-Star Weekend. I haven't been a fan of this particular format since they went to it, and that's why All-Star Weekend's kind of a downer for me, because that's the buildup. And when you have East versus West, you have an opportunity to see guys that are rivals in the Western Conference play with each other against guys that are rivals in the East play against each other. We don't have that anymore. So to me, that's why All-Star Weekend is a downer. 
All right, so I guess we've dumped all over All Star Weekend, to, you know, to lead off enough. Let let's wrap up that part, that, that portion of the conversation. With let me uh, let, let, let's turn it back the other direction. Let me get your best dunk contest of all time, and maybe also your bet, yo, know, your favorite All Star moment, you know, for, from years past. Well, the best dunk contest of all time was Gordon versus Levine, not only because of the dunks they did, because they literally should have been a tie. Like they pretty much one up each other every dunk. To the point where it's like, wow, like somebody has to win. It should have been time. I mean, I know '88 people are gonna bring up Neek and Jordan. I get that, but and of course 2000 with Vince and all those guys. But when Levine and Aaron Gordon went at it, it was the point where they broke out stuff no one's ever saw, no one's ever seen before. To the point where it's like, whoa, I didn't know this was possible. Uh, That was that pretty much ended the dunk because after that there was there was no going. Uh, forward from there. There's nothing else you can top for that. So that's best dunk contest. Uh, best moment. It's kind of tough, but I mean, the 92 with Magic winning MVP in Orlando, uh, oh, yeah. shooting that set shot three is probably the best all star <laughs> moment uh, for me, anyway. And then, you know, close second would be uh, the 03 game. It's just so much stuff. Jordan's last game, you had so much stuff going on. Uh, you know, the end of game fadeaway, and then, you know, Kobe gets fouled and goes overtime, and then. Garnett goes crazy. Like, There's a, a lot of stuff going on. And yeah. I remember in that game that Michael Jordan didn't get voted as a starter. It was Vince Carter and Allen Iverson. And yeah, didn't Vince one of them Carter bow out? Outside. Right, yeah. right. So there's a lot of stuff going on in that game. And I think that was a that was a, that was a, just an overall game. I think that was really cool. But the moment myself itself was probably Magic set shot three. I can't disagree with Jameson. Magic's shot, uh, set shot three, probably the greatest moment in All-Star game history. Um, you know, I was going through my timeline on Facebook. There was an All-Star game, I believe it was 2014, and I think both of us were having, all three of us were having a conversation about it. When Kobe deed up LeBron right at the end, I think he had like two blocks and three steals in the final eight minutes of that game or something. You know what? You know, you remember what, what moment I'm talking about, right? That That's was, when there was actual competition. Exa- yes. Exactly, exactly. So that one's fresh in my head. Uh, but to me, no, I think Jameson hits it right on the head with Magic. As far as the greatest dunk contest of all time, look, we want star power in the slam dunk contest. That's what people want. All right. Regardless if the dunk contest is great or not, if you have star power, people are going to be entertained and people are going to watch it. So with that being said, the greatest dunk contest of all time, 1985, because it had the star power behind it. We had Dr. J. We had Michael. We had Dominique. We had Clyde. We had Larry Nance. That is is just star-studded when you take a look at it. it. It Really, we can talk about what types of dunks were completed, which ones were executed, but at the end of the day, star power is what we want. That's what the, the casual fan wants as well. I challenge anyone to find me a dunk contest with better star power than 1985 because you can't. You're, you know, when honestly, if it comes to star power, you're right in terms of something, you know, the 85 one and in, even in, even a couple more of the 80s ones. But I'm sorry, 2016 was actually was the best actual contest. It, 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 it's if you know, it's one of those where I try not to be disrespectful to the, you know, to the things of the past, like especially like, hey, look, the 80s and 90s, that was my time. But like in particular, like when I'm talking about the you know basketball that was played in the late 50s and 60s or whatnot, uh, sometimes people will be upset. Like I'll, I'll get stuff all in the time on the time line you know about some of my commentary and it's like look i'm not trying to be disrespectful or dismissive it's just it just doesn't compare when you look at you know the advancements just from a physical standpoint from a you know medical standpoint just kind of across the board what can be done um and the only other moment that i'll throw out there is uh you know because i also am one for nostalgia but i also like competition uh you know it's funny because i mentioned this on 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 the other show that i you know that i host hot takes and shot fakes 
uh, Larry Legend, the the legend of him going into the locker room, you know, before the three point <laughs> competition, and saying and looking around and making a point to like look around at all of the all of the other shooters, and it, apparently, according to Legend, uh, you know, when asked what he was doing, he was saying he said, "Well, I just wanted to see who was going to come in second. That's what I'm here for. That's that's the type of uh, All Star Weekend stuff that I'm here for." Uh, you know, not only that, also, if I'm not mistaken, he shot the he, you know, he shot the entire three point competition with his shooting jacket on. Didn't even bother to take it off. So, yeah. Anyhow. So, yeah, 2019, uh, you know, you know, not to you know, not for not that it. I hope that it didn't come across that we were you know just dumping all over. You know, it, compl- it completely as a concept. It's just as a product. It's not quite as good. All right. Let's go ahead and transition to you know, some things from around the league. And look, there's no way to have this conversation to start this conversation off with anything other than probably one of the biggest stories, if not the biggest story that the league has seen over the last couple of years. And it's the Anthony Davis saga. It's never ending. It goes on forever. We're not going to dredge up everything but i'm just going to go down a quick timeline of kind of how things have gone and then we'll, i'll come to you uh first we you know a few weeks starting a few weeks ago we had the public demand uh by clutch you know and, and anthony davis's representation that he wanted out then we saw a list then uh for whatever the reason is his dad comes out and you know does an interview with ramona shelburne uh and says that you know that, that we don't want to don't want to go to boston no matter what for whatever those reasons were uh, then there are reports that Dimps is not picking up the phone and, you know, folks had all, t- all types of fun on it, on, on Twitter about that and on social media about that. Uh, but yeah, apparently Dimps wasn't picking up the phone whenever LA called. And I say Dimps, I should probably mention who that is. That's the now former, uh, GM of the New Orleans Pelicans. But, you know, at the time, yeah, he was still in, he was still in his position. Anyhow, uh, you know, then at one point they realized that New Orleans, pre- you know, pretty much had no intention of trading into L.A. The deadline passes. Then it looked as though New Orleans was confused about how to handle them moving, you know, moving forward. Then we we come to last Thursday. He ended up hurting his shoulder. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, the results of that of the test said that it was a contusion. Uh, but he left the game early. This ended up upsetting uh, the ownership there in New Orleans and Dale Dimps gets fired. What now, Jameson, I'm coming to you. What is the end game for New Orleans in this? So for those that don't don't understand, whenever you go through a situation like this, you have to have a plan. New Orleans never had a plan with this situation. They just figured that they'd play out the situation, hope for the best. Um, but here's the situation. The Lakers offered a lot of assets. It, we can all argue on what those assets are, how much they're worth. Everyone has different interpretations on that. We're not going to do that today. That's not what this is about. Not today. However, um, the Lakers offer like five players and three draft picks. And however you want to do with those assets, they could have done. They could have reshipped them. They could have kept them. Whatever they would have done. That offer won't be on the table come July 1st. They were banking on a better offer from Boston come July 1st. And we don't know if that offer is going to come. We don't know what's going to happen July 1st. So it was really bad to see how the Pelicans play the situation. But here's the thing. Even if you don't trade him, you got to have a plan going forward. This can't be, oh, we're not going to trade him, but we're going to keep on going status quo. Like, no, like the relationship is beyond repair. You have to be prepared to how to deal with this. And they handle it so you know poorly that I ended up getting a gym fired a couple weeks after. So it was just really a bad situation. And they, they played out in the public. Once the trade demands and the trade scenarios got out public, you kind of have to make a deal because once you, once you, you know, keep your peace, what happens is teams around the league like, okay, well, if they offered all this and you turn it down, what is it going to take to actually get something done? 
But at the same time, there's a lot of stuff going on that we don't know about in the background. Remember, the Pelicans do have an NFL GM running their operation and an NFL training staff as their medical staff. So we don't know what the hell is going on in their operation. But we do know they handled this so poorly that the GM got fired two weeks after the trade deadline. That's how bad the situation is over there. Jeez. So, Jordan, in terms of a rebuild, if you're New Orleans now moving forward, do you want current players that can kind of hit the ground running or do you want just a total rebuild built around picks and space? I don't want picks in space. I want players that can hit the ground running because I think, you know, and I'm a big baseball guy. And this is something that we get caught up with an awful lot the ceiling of players coming back in trades. And let's be real, history will show that you never get fair value for a superstar because it's not possible. The only way you're going to get fair value for a superstar is if you deal him for another superstar. And even in that case, you're going to see it's a, it's a completely different scenario. So you, you never get full value. I'm not a fan of the whole picks prospect deal because, listen, let's say they get three picks from the Lakers. Let's say they get three picks from the Celtics. Those are bottom-end first-round picks. It, it, it is what it is. At the same time, I believe firing Dell Demps gives New Orleans an opportunity to maybe revisit the possible trade that we saw with, from the Lakers at the deadline. You're wiping the slate clean. And, and you know what? Kudos to New Orleans' is, is, is ownership. Because if you felt that this deal was not handled in the proper way, I believe you were almost negotiating in good faith by saying we're bringing in a fresh mind. I know Danny Ferry is going to be the interim GM. So you're talking about potentially revisiting what never was. And I don't think that Boston could ever remotely top what the Lakers were rumored to offer. Now, that's the other thing. We see a lot of stuff in social media. We see a lot of things on the Internet. We may think we know what was offered. Um, but we, but in, 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 in all honesty, we don't, right? I mean, there's rumors out there that... that you know, that was what Kuzma, it was ball. It was Ingram. It was Zuba. It, it was all of them. Right. All that, that That's yeah. the rumor. So obviously that particular deal is not possible this off season, but I still think there's a chance for a Godfather offer from LA. Now that Dell Demps is out of the picture to me, it's almost like a hat tip to everyone in the league. They didn't like the way Demps was handling the situation. He's gone. If they approved of it, he'd still have a job, right? So to me, it's almost as if it's damage control throughout the rest of the league to say, okay, he's out of there this summer. We're moving on from AD. Bring your best offers. That's kind of the way I take it. Now, at the same time, I want to be clear on this. At the same time, I don't know that you can fault New Orleans for not moving AD at the deadline, knowing that Boston can get into the mix this offseason. I know there's a lot of variables to consider when I say that, but at the same time, let's just be real about it for a moment. The best offer we believe was on the table, but we can't be sure because we don't know what Danny Ainge would offer. However, New Orleans, the front office, the management, the ownership, they view Dell Demps as handling this in such a poor way, they canned him two weeks later. All right, so I'm going to stick with you on this one. Let's have it. Let, you know, let's play this out a little bit. What happens in Boston if Kyrie winds up leaving? You're you're Danny Ainge. Yes, you you've said like, yeah, hey, look, everybody will be on the table. But then you're you're facing these circumstances. Stay stay there with that, Jordan. I don't think you can make a play for AD if Kyrie is gone. And the reason I say that, if everybody is on the table, you have to remember that AD is entering into a contract season. So if you're going to give up assets for him, you have to make sure that you can uh, at least come to a handshake agreement on a long-term extension. What good would it do for Boston 
to go through a rebuild process, give up assets, valuable assets that they have, be it Jason Tatum, be it Jalen Brown, be it Marcus Smart, whoever it is, give up a group of assets to top a Los Angeles Laker deal if you're not going to get a long-term commitment out of AD and you put him in a similar situation win-loss-wise that he's in in New Orleans. That's something that you have to consider. I think it's something that all teams have to consider, especially the Lakers. I think the Lakers are in a different scenario because you're not giving up LeBron James, right? So all depending on what the offer is from Boston, I think this really throws a, a wrench into the entire equation, especially if Kyrie does not sign. Boy, Boston's in a difficult spot, and this is where it could come back to bite New Orleans. If, in fact, Boston is out of the say say Kyrie leaves and all of a sudden Danny Ainge is no longer interested in throwing in a Jason Tatum or a Jalen Brown or whatever the case may be whatever assets he wants to throw in he's no longer interested in giving you the godfather offer look at how far New Orleans just set their franchise back well um, first of all you're right uh, secondly that's why the whole posturing over the Lakers offer is kind of weird because no one knows what's going to be offered what's going to take place in July 1st no one knows. Like if Tatum is hurt, if he gets hurt in the playoffs, you don't. You just never know. Like you don't know. And Jason Tatum is a very, very good young player. He has a lot of promise, but we don't know what. You know, we don't know. It's a lot of you know, it's a lot of unknown situations at the moment. However, here's a situation that boggles my mind. Danny Age has been stockpiling picks for years, picks and assets for years. When is he actually going to be able to spend it on something? He's a guy that keeps on saving and saving and saving for stuff and can't use it, and I don't see him using those assets on a rental hoping that things work out, especially if Kyrie leaves. Now, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are good young players, but they're not all-star, superstar-type players at this moment. So if Kyrie does leave, their cap situation isn't that great because they still have Hayward and Horford's deal on the books. I'm very curious to see what happens. Like I'm very, very curious because now – you kind of have to reshift your thoughts. And like, uh, like Jordan said, if you have an offer on the table with five players and three picks and you pass that up for something that you hope to get in July, and if you don't get that, now, you're, like you said, your organization is set back. And let's say the Lakers say, hey, you know what, instead of five players, we're going to offer you three players and a couple picks. Then what? So it's a, it's a lot of things going on. But at the end of the day, all this means is that the Pelicans are one step closer to Vegas or Seattle. That's all that means. Yeah, I mean that, that that's always a looming possibility, and it, it would be unfortunate for the you know fans there in New Orleans. But hey, look, you know it, it, it's really a, as a result of how the, you know how they've been dealing with that team, and uh, you end up losing a a, a monumental player, you know, of this nature. And like, and I, I always just want to clarify this: like, it's one thing to say like, oh, hey, look, you know, this guy's a top five, you know, point, you know, power forward, you know, right in the league right now. This guy is one of the better big men that the league has seen. You know, once all, all is said and done, he's only 25 years old. You end up losing a guy like that uh, to a market like that. Uh, well, then, you know, you, you know, you can't really be surprised uh, if, if you wind up losing the team at, at, at a certain point moving forward. All right. I want to bring it back, uh, you know, to the current situation with the Lakers. Uh, they are currently in the 10th seed, you know, out West at 28 and 29. If I'm not mistaken that if my math is, is correct, that's 25 games left. They've got 12 home games and 13 uh, road games. Uh, if I, I, I believe I saw somewhere that they have a top 10 uh, most difficult, you know, remaining schedule. So, we, you know, it is what it is in terms of the odds that are stacked against him. Uh, but we've seen LeBron have incredible final pushes over the second half, you know, even as recently as last year. So Jameson, I'm coming to you. Do you think he has enough in the tank to get this particular team back back into it, given these current circumstances? 
first of all, he's not, it's not really on him. It's on the other guys being healthy. He's fine. I don't worry about LeBron. LeBron will be okay. The rest of the guys got to be healthy. If they're healthy, they'll be okay. Uh, the biggest issue here is this. You got to look at the teams that are ahead of them and how they're trending. Look at Sacramento's upcoming schedule. They have a very rough schedule coming up. They have four tough road games, and the fifth game is versus Milwaukee at home. So uh, the Spurs are a team that's trending downwards. The Clippers lost their best player. So they have some they're – not, they're not done. They're not out of the woods, but there's some things that are trending up. At the same time, this is how to take care of business. Like, that's the thing. Like, Lakers, they have to take care of what they can control. After the All-Star break, they have Houston at home. They have the Pelicans twice and the Grizzlies. If they don't win at least three out of four of, all, you know, out of those games, then they don't need to be in the playoffs. Uh, if you can't beat three, if you can't beat the Pelicans twice without Anthony Davis or whatever the situation is there, and if you can't beat the Grizzlies with their tanking ways, then you don't deserve to be in the playoffs. So we'll see what happens. The first four games will tell us all we need to know about the Lakers in the second half of the season. That's fair. Jordan, I'm going to ask you the hard question about the for this situation. And I recognize what Jameson said about it. You know, like he doesn't worry about LeBron uh, in particular. It's it's on the other guy. It's on everybody to bring it together. But let's just let's just uh, let's just say uh, if this team's going to get in, you know, given these circumstances, I think it is going to take, you know, maybe not a Herculean effort, but it's going to take an effort from LeBron. So my question to you is, is it worth it? to put his body through what it will take to make the playoffs just to get knocked out quickly if they were to, you know, say, make it to the eighth seed. Yes, and the reason why it's worth it is because if the Lakers don't make, and let's say they don't make any moves this offseason, I think that's highly unlikely, but let's say they don't, right? Let's say they have somewhat of the same core back next season. It's that important for guys like Kuzma, Ball, Ingram. It's that important for these guys to get to the playoffs. It's that important. And look, I'm around the high school game. I'm around the JUCO game a lot. You have to learn how to win. You have to learn how to win. It's that simple. At some point in time, you have to be in a situation to where it is a win or go home type deal. They have never been in that situation. The Lakers, this Laker core has never been in a situation to where they had to win. Okay. You have the pressure of the postseason on you. I don't even care if they miss the playoffs but they are in contention going into the final week where you're in one of those situations where you have to win and so-and-so has to lose, that's fine. They need to be in a must-win situation at some point in time. LeBron came to L.A., and and I had told you guys this earlier in the week. I don't know that LeBron came here to win championships in L.A. I don't know if that was the, 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 the main reason why he came to Los Angeles. This guy is making max money around a young group of guys, a young group of kids, that the Lakers may actually have to roll with as their core for the foreseeable future. You have to put them in a situation to where they need to learn to win. They haven't been there yet. All right, these last two, you you both can chime in on. It, it can be you know as quick as you want. Uh, what seed do they need to make it up to in order to have a conceivable chance at winning a round? Whatever seed avoids the Warriors. They can avoid the Warriors. They <laughs> got real. action. Uh, you say you you stay in the eight seed, you're out in a week and a half or a week in like two days. If you get the seven seed or the six seed, you have action playing in mid May because once you get here's the thing, everyone talks about Denver being a really good team and they are. They are a very impressive team, but they don't have a lot of postseason experience with their young players. They don't have you know their young guys have never been to playoffs either. And if we get LeBron like we know what LeBron's able to do, I'll take my chances. As good as OKC has been, um, the Lakers match up very well with him. 
So it would not surprise me if they were able to if they if they get the favorable matchup, if they get the non Golden State matchup, they have action in any series out west. Uh, let me throw a, a, a crazy stat out there for you. You take a look at the top eight teams in the Western Conference right now. Out of the top eight, how many have winning records on the road? Great question. Was it like three? Three. Can you believe that? Three. One of them is the Golden State Warriors. One of them are the Clippers, who will not end with a winning record on the road because they're not going to make the postseason following the, the trade deadline. And you have OKC. That is it. Yep. That is it. So in my mind, if you avoid Golden State, yes, you have a legitimate chance because what we're talking about here are teams that struggle on the road. Okay, now I get it. The Lakers have a losing record on the road as well, and you're not going to have home court, so you're going to have to find a way to win on the road. But guess what? You also have LeBron James. Okay, no other team of the Western Conference has LeBron James on your squad. Golden State's got a few of them. But I'm talking about anyone outside of Golden State. So if you can avoid Golden State in the first round, if you can get up to the seven spot, you have a legitimate chance of winning in the opening round. The problem with that is right now, as we record this, you're four games back of San Antonio, 25 to go. One of the toughest schedules remaining in the NBA. It's going to be an uphill battle. You got to get healthy first. And I know folks don't want to, for some reason, folks don't want to talk about this. The Lakers with LeBron and Alonzo Ball are a completely different beast because of this guy's ability to guard the, you know, the, the opposing point guard. He's one of the best defensive point guards in the NBA so if you have Lonzo Ball healthy the Lakers have a chance to get in they have a chance to sneak up to that seven spot but the current makeup of this team I, I really don't like their chances yeah but Jordan it's far you know, and it'll sound like I'm just throwing shade or being funny it's far sexier it's far funnier it's far more you know clickbaity to make fun of the shot than it is to acknowledge some of the things that he actually does really, really well. No question. And that, you know, that makes him special. You know, and, and, and him, I'm talking about Lonzo. I'm trying to uh, mention that for the listener, not for you. All right, last one for each of you. If AD isn't ultimately an option this summer and he winds up getting shipped elsewhere, both of you chime in once again here. Which direction do you go if you're Magic or Palenka? And Palenka. Oh, well, you have you have to go get another guy. you got to figure out a way to get another another star play, all-star player. That's how to whether it's via free agency, whether it's via trade. When you have LeBron James, when you signed LeBron James last summer, you pretty much said, hey, we're in it to win right now. This is not a five-year process. This is not a wait-and-see thing. When you made that acquisition, you said, hey, we're we're in it to win right now. So that means you have to bring on a veteran all-star player or two and keep it moving. Yeah, Jamison's 100% correct. I mean, if it's not AD, you have options out there and you have cap space and you also have LeBron James. It's something they haven't had in the past. Um, to me, look, I think you move towards Kyrie. I, I think you move towards towards Kyrie regardless if you get AD or not. I think that that needs to be one of the top options for this team in the offseason. I think it's the most feasible as well. I think right now as it sits, you've got a much better chance of landing Kyrie and having a reunion with LeBron than you do of going out and either getting Klay Thompson or Kawhi Leonard. So to me, if I'm Magic and Rob Palinka, top on my list would be AD and Kyrie Irving. And I think that the two kind of connect. I think if you get AD, there's a great chance that you get Kyrie. I I think the Kyrie LeBron, it's a good story. I think both seem open to it, at least from what we see and hear in the media. So to me, that that would be my my main objective if I'm Magic or Rob. You got to put uh, Kyrie and AD at the top of your board. Look, I'm going to just put it to you just like this. Kyrie is the star is is the straw that stirs the drink this summer. It's funny. He's not the best player on the market, but he's a star that stirs a drink. If you if I'm the Lakers, I go after Kyrie 
full force because you not only do you weaken Boston, you weaken their you you, you not you may not weaken their chances to get AD because ultimately if they if they if they want to make the package they you know they're going to make the package but you may weaken the likelihood that they pursue him as feverishly. So I think that's a real I think that's a really good call. Before we get out of here, let me get a final shot. You know how we do it. Man, so final shot, uh, All-Star Weekend is, people have to understand what All-Star Weekend is. It's not about the game or the events, uh, the actual events that take place on the court. It's about what happens off the court. Uh, All-Star Weekend is a celebration around the league. Everyone gets together, family, friends, play. Everyone gets together. It's like a big picnic, in a sense. It's a, it's a big party, a big meetup. Um, it's something that it makes the NBA unique. More than any other league, you know, the NFL has Super Bowl, that's Super Bowl. Uh, Major League Baseball, their all-star break is not the same. Uh, the NBA all-star weekend is something that's very special. Uh, and also, it's what makes the NBA the best because everyone is happy. Everyone gets around. You know, a lot of business deals are done. And I think it needs to be celebrated more than it already is. I think it needs to be a, an actual event where you probably need to take the whole week off. I, it wouldn't, I don't think there should be games on Thursday before it. I don't think there should be any games until Friday after it. It's one of those situations because right now, like in Charlotte, everyone's talking about that's the only thing that's being talked about right now is an exhibition game that had a really bad dunk contest and an okay skill contest, three point contest. With the NBA, it's going in great, great uh, ways right now. And I think All Star break should be celebrated a little bit better than it has been. All right, fair enough. Jordan, let me get yours. So last night, uh, we're covering high school basketball, and <clears throat> there's a lot of traveling going on. And I, I have an intern with me last night who, who made the journey with me. And as we're sitting there talking about basketball, I realize that everything that bugs me about the NBA is what gets him excited about the NBA. And I'm talking about a 20, 21-year-old kid. And so it, it kind of yep. put things in perspective for me yesterday. I'm what I used to complain about as far as old man basketball. So in 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 argument to my tirade at the beginning about why I don't like the All-Star game, this young mind is sitting here talking about the fact that he loves that LeBron and Giannis were going back and forth in the draft and they were ta- or in the uh, the All-Star draft and they were talking about the trades and the tampering. I don't care about any of that stuff. Here's a, a younger a younger mind that loves the dunk contest. Could not wait to to to, to watch the slam dunk contest. The things that I dislike about the league, they love. And I think it's something, you have to remember that the older you get. If you're around our age, I'm sure you, me, and Jameson, like we, we, have, the, uh, we, we have a similar concept, right? We have similar thoughts on what bugs us about the league. But whatever yeah. the league is doing, they have done the right. They've done right in getting the younger fan, and that's what's going to carry the league moving forward. And so I think when you stop and you think about that, what bugs you about the league is definitely relatable to the younger kids. There was a conversation that I used to hate. It was about six years ago. Young kids thought Kyrie Irving was the best point guard in the NBA. And I couldn't understand why. I'm like, what what are you watching? Like, what makes you think this? Then you really start looking at the gist of how he is pushed and how he is relatable (laughs) to the younger generation. And it makes sense when you stop and you take a look at the picture of it. So what I'm saying is the league has to evolve. Sometimes it's difficult for people like us who have been around the game, who love the game, who have watched the game religiously since we were at a young age to see some of the changes. But it's relatable to the younger generation. It's kind of like watching the Super Bowl, right? The halftime show. I care nothing about it. I mean, I, I literally care nothing about the halftime show. I don't even watch the halftime show. Okay, but 
it's not geared towards us who watch football. It's geared towards those who have a casual interest in it. It draws them in. And I think that Adam Silver has done a terrific job of doing this as commissioner. Rightfully so. There's even rumors about the NFL targeting this guy for good reason. You're seeing a decline in ratings in the NFL, right? So, okay, let's go figure out what's right with professional sports. Adam Silver's done a terrific job of connecting to a younger generation. We may not understand that, but it is working, I assure you. Yeah, basically, uh, to sum that up, we're all washed. All right. Um, yes. <laughs> my final, my final shot is just this simple. You know that we we want we wind up talking about the entire NBA, but you know, being that we're all three of us are West Coast guys or West Coast adjacent guys right now, um, you know, we end up talking about the Pacific Division, and I, and I really want to acknowledge how you know how much I like how the division is shaping up. Obviously Golden State is there. They've been there for you know the last five, six years and and, and they're not going anywhere anytime soon, regardless of how things shape up this summer. Uh, and, uh, and then you have the Lakers that are actively trying to rebuild around LeBron as we've been discussing throughout. But look, you've got the Clippers they're a true threat to put something special, you know, putting something special together this summer with the cap space and roster flexibility that they've worked in. And look, I know the Kings have been the butt of jokes for years. I've I've personally made them. You guys have made them. We've all enjoyed them. But they've finally been able to do something, you know, made something out of that never-ending streak of high lottery picks. They might be a playoff team this year, and they're just babies. Hey, you know what? Shouts to you guys in Phoenix. You guys are still going to be the butt of the jokes. But look, the Pacific Division, I'm glad to, I'm glad to see it shaping up you know the way it is it looks as though it's going to be a you know some truly truly you know competitive years you know moving forward and and i'm here for it all right guys like i said at the beginning it was fantastic to be back behind the mic with with each of you uh for the listeners out there we appreciate you taking the time to tune in to triple j uh hopefully we'll be doing this again moving forward